Hello, and welcome to the Great Birth Rebellion podcast, where we grapple with current research to help you get the best out of your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum journey while still challenging the dominant birth culture. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Jackson at Melanie the Midwife, and I'm joined weekly by my co-host, B from Core and Flora Store, and this is the Great Birth Rebellion. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Great Birth Rebellion and today's episode kind of piggybacks off last week's episode. Last week we spoke about supplies to gather if you're having a home birth or home labour and today we're going to cover things that are really handy to take with you to hospital if that's where you're planning on going, either if you've transferred to hospital from a home birth or if the intention was to give birth in hospital. B has an extensive list that's in the resource folder. It's downloadable off her website. You can find it and we're going to chat through it today. So B, give us the goods. Okay. Oh, feeling the pressure. All right. So kind of want some items for on the way to hospital. So really just kind of thinking about just in case babe was to be born on the way or waters were to release in the car. So some clean towels to just lay on the seats, or maybe you've got like a, um, call them like Kylie's. What do we call, what do we call them in blueies? But in Victoria, they call them Kylie's. Yeah. I I remember like going there and people like getting it, go and grab a Kylie. I'm like, Who's Kylie? Who? Why do I want to put a person on the bed? Imagine <laughs> you actually had a Kylie and you like went and went, I got Kylie. Yeah, I mean, they're called Kylie's. And I, then I'm like, all my in laws are Victorian and they're like, yeah, get a Kylie. Why are they named after a person? We call them Bluey. 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 Like a, a plastic back sheet with some padding on the top to catch drips. But bigger, the bigger ones. Oh. Like they, yeah, anyway. Um, so just whatever you've got, um, sometimes, um, you know, people have access to these kind of things, but you can just use towels. You don't need anything fancy and it doesn't have to have a fancy name. Uh, Shout out to the Kylie's listening. A sick bag or a bucket or something like that can be super important in the car, either if you're vomiting or if the baby does come and the placenta comes. So just a bucket. So it's really handy just to kind of have a car bag. And I can remember my husband being like, around 36 weeks of my first baby we just got in this new car it wasn't brand new but it, it was nice and clean car and he was like do you just want to carry around some towels just in case your waters break and I was like no be fine and then I got in the car with broken waters and him being like I knew you should have had towels in the car I think we we covered this whole story in the the prom pre uh prolonged rupture membranes episode so for anybody who wants to hear B's full rupture membrane story you can go and have a full listen to that yeah and then just like a nice little kit for bub because when babies are born they're wet so think about what it's like when you hop out of the shower and you're wet what do you want straight away you want a towel and you want to be dried off so we want a couple of towels to dry baby off this is if babe's accidentally born yeah in the car but just just as you know it doesn't happen for everyone but it's nice if it happens to just have some things handy and you can always you'll just improvise because you're an intelligent human and you'll get like a t-shirt or a jumper or something but taking the wet towel off putting a nice dry one on and just anything that you've got for bub like a blanket or a beanie or something like that and obviously if baby was born 
leaving that cord attached. You don't have to do anything to the cord and just something warm for you as well. Because yeah, post-birth, we can feel a little bit cold after we've worked really hard and bumps come out. So just a little kit for on the way to the hospital slash uh, if you're driving around just in case your waters break. Uh, and then for use during labour and birth, so um, the list is very sexy and it's broken into different categories. Uh, so there's an ac- the acupressure booklet in I've put in there and you can download that for free and that's a super handy thing to have prior to birth. It's free and amazing midwife in New South Wales created that and it's a handy one for your partner. So I've included that in the list. And then a TENS machine. Sometimes you can hire these from the hospital, super cheap. If you've got a private midwife, they may have access to them, but typically people can hire or buy them. I We sell them in our shop and we haven't started hiring them yet because they're actually not that expensive to buy and then you can use them for multiple pregnancies and then sell them secondhand and you can also buy them secondhand as well. And then so kind of pain management tools, more pain management tools. We sell what is the birth weapon now. Uh, stock us in Australia because it comes from New Zealand, but it's like an acupressure ball that you hold and you get two of them. You can also have, um, we have beautiful, beautiful combs that have lots of different sayings. So it's personal preference, whether you would prefer to squeeze a comb or hold a ball. Uh, It's very much a tactile sensation thing, what you prefer. And the combs have beautiful sayings on them, but you can just use a a comb from home as well. And then a stress ball or a sponge. And again, I talked about this in last episode, we have these beautiful cognac sponges that you kind of just brush on your face and and it's like stroking, but they're just, um, they're really super soft and just helping that jaw to release any tension. So talking about that jaw to hip fascial line connection. So when our jaw is soft, our pelvis is soft, that pelvic floor is is more able to lengthen and open, which we want it to do, and that there's less congestion in the pelvis from muscle tension. A lot of it's pain management strategies. So there's, you know, having all this stuff prepared could really uh, prevent you from needing pharmacological pain management. Mm. Yeah. About having a toolkit, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, you know, so many of us like go to baby showers and we buy things for the babies, but you know, these kind of stuff to support women in labor and just be like, I got you. Like I, my first ever birth comb was given to me by a midwife friend. And like, I had that in labor. I never got around to using it, (laughs) but I had it there and it was just such a beautiful gift of, oh, she's got me, Um, you know, like an affirmation cards, just, yeah. Gifts of love. If you, so yeah, any kind of self massage tools that somebody can roll on your back, like you can just use a tennis ball um, or a stress ball. We can squeeze a stress ball or have a massage ball rolled on you. Um, but just want to say here, if a partner is using hands to massage, please use a really beautiful massage oil. And one that, because we're trying to make your body feel safe through all the senses. So I use this massage oil that anytime I smelt it, just had a lot of happy memories with it. Um, you can have beautiful essential oils that are connected to, you know, there's some evidence around pain management and labor. So like clary sage and lavender, whatever kind of works for you. But I always think if it makes your body go, ah, then you want that. Whatever makes your body go, ah, 
you want. And if your partner is massaging with hands, please use a massage oil because I've seen so many women have friction burns post-massage because been massage for so long. Heaps of people who've ended up with friction burns postpartum because they haven't had a massage oil. So really, if you're having any kind of massage, just some beautiful, lovely oils. And we talked about this in the last episode, but we now stock these incredible birth slings and they are game changer for like active birth positioning. You just get to like hang in them and beautiful deep squats and you can yeah take them into the hospital because they come with the door hang you could hang them on like the bathroom door right in a hospital yeah 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 yeah, they're really cool. I love them. But again, like, you know, you can rock up with none of these things. You can rock up with all of them. It's just whatever works for you and feels good. I'm not saying all of these are necessary. Um, hair bands, because labor is sweaty and you'll want that hair off your face. Um, and lip balm, your lips get really, really dry in labor, especially like they do just anyway, but especially if you use the nitrous gas as well. Um, so lip balm is essential. And then, yeah, any kind of essential oils that you want and that are great for just decreasing anxiety, pain management, increasing uterine contractions. So an epic birth playlist and you want to check with the place that you're birthing at if they have a speaker or not. And if not, take your own speaker and charger for the speaker. Um, just to really have a vibe that suits you. You might even want to have just a couple of different playlists um, because you never really know what you feel like in labor. I remember having a playlist and just being like, no, 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 like this, the songs weren't cutting it. Um, you know, it's music that really makes you feel, again, comfortable, like, ah. Um, some fake candles. You often can't take real hospitals in, real hospitals, real candles into the hospital. Um, so, um, you know, checking with what your place of birth actually has can be super handy. Units have um, like fairy lights already set up, or the little salt lamps, or um, diffusers like uh, aromatherapy mm. diffusers already there. So yeah, it can really save some space and money if you know what they've already got for ambience. Yeah, and most hospitals will also have a mirror if that is something you want because some people really want to watch their baby being born, other people don't. It can be a super handy tool if you've had an epidural or you're doing you're um, being cared for by a provider that does coach pushing. And um, if you don't know much about pushing, please go and listen to our episode on it that we did. And I've also got an, a webinar that you can uh, have access to on that as well. Um, so any kind of earbuds, earphones for you and your support person, you both might want to listen to the music. Maybe they don't, maybe you do. Maybe you don't want any sound and so you want to just block out other noises. And this can be actually really important when you're birthing in a place where you can hear other people birthing um, because that can really impact your nervous system during labour is hearing other people labour and birth, sometimes in a beautiful, positive way, other times in a very negative way. So thinking about that and eye masks can be great as well. Um, you know, really thinking about those five senses, what they need in order to, what you need in order for the input into your body to be safe through all the ways your body gets input, which is our senses. So eye mask can be great and it can be great for that transfer into hospital as well. Like when you get in the car, it can be really weird when you've got this beautiful space at home that you've been laboring in and you've kind of made this nest and then like it might be the daytime and you step out into like bright lights and you just see people about their day while you're in labor. It can be a really weird contrast. So an eye mask can be beautiful for that. Um, so heat packs. So again, check in with your hospital what they have and what you're actually 
allowed to bring in because I know they never use that word allowed, but often they do have quite strict policies around things like this because of health and safety. And so they won't accept things like a wheat bag. Uh, so really checking on that so that you've got something you can use. The worst thing would be having this kit, thinking you're going to be able to use it and then getting there and them saying, oh, we actually, you know, we don't accept that for use in our facility uh, because it is their facility and they're going to have some rules around things like that. Uh, so having something that you can access. Um, a drink bottle with a straw, and we talked about this last episode too, a straw that you can really access. Uh, it's really challenging to throw your head back in labour and drink, like what ease of drinking. And my faves are steel straws, um, obviously, but you can get some really good drink bottles these days with straws in them. And then snacks. So you want a whole lot of snacks for you and your support person, including hydration drinks for yourself. You're not often want to gonna, you're not often going to want to eat a lot in labor. And so having things that you can just yet easily take a little nibble of and then just leave it. But especially for partners, often during the night, there's not anything open at a hospital for them to eat. And there's only so many hospital sandwiches one person can tolerate. So having things for them, super important. And so, yeah, just to any hospital, it's just so important that we nourish mothers and we really don't. The food, there's so much we can say about food in hospitals. But really thinking about this is a time where your body has worked incredibly hard physically. And so it needs nourishment and it needs it in the form of good food, not a soggy old piece of toast and some cold baked beans or gross cold eggs. So anything nourishing that you can take as well that can hydrate and nourish you and your partner, super, super important, especially if you're in areas too, like you're not in a city where you might, your partner might be able to go out and get food easily and really thinking about what your body needs. It doesn't need takeaway food at two o'clock in the morning. It needs something super nourishing. Um, loose and comfortable clothes that are easy to remove. So wearing your own clothes in labor can make you feel really safe and decreasing that adrenaline. I used to work with this midwife in Darwin. She was so old school. She'd be retired now. Um, and she made everyone get into a gown, a labor gown. This was like 13 years ago and it happens mostly in the States. Like I often see labor pictures in gowns. Some people want to, I do want to say that, some people want to labor in a gown. Again, there's no right or wrong way to do any of this. Do whatever works for you, but laboring in your own clothes can feel super awesome and for others it won't, but anything that's loose and then really thinking about that for postpartum as well. And then swimmers. For you and your support person, if you don't want to be naked, some people are happy to be naked, other people aren't. I do want to say that as midwives, we're not happy for your partner to be naked with you. Um, it's just a no. It's, it's, I don't know if it's a yes for anyone, but it's a definite no for me. I worked with this midwife the other day and she was like, no, it happens here in hospital too. Like men will take their clothes off. I'm like, it's never happened to me. Never. Never happened to me. I've but, never seen an actual, like, I've never seen full frontal penis, but um, definitely I've had partners get in the pool in their, like, in undies, which yeah, that, that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Swimmers. Just not, I haven't had any, any nudies either. And I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I'm like, oh, is that not, like, 
you know, we totally accept new like nakedness from women laboring and I'm a hundred million percent comfortable with that. I'm like, I really have started challenging myself. Like, okay, why is it? Why it just swimmers for your partner and change clo- changes of clothes for your support people. Just if they, you know, catch barb and they've got amniotic fluid on them or blood on them or they get in the pool, it just gets wet because they leave a t-shirt on the ground or something. So just a change of clothes for the support people. And then anything that is super important to your space to make that space that you're birthing in feel a little bit more yours. So pillows, um, birth affirmations, towels, you know, a blanket for baby. I just want to say you don't have to use the hospital blankets. I really I just don't have to take the hospital blanket home. It's actually not supposed to take the hospital blanket home. So many people stealing. It's stealing and they're so ugly. Don't take one. It's a real, like, I just, the amount of postnatal visits I do, and they're like, oh, yeah, we took a hospital blanket. Like, it's it's a um, souvenir that people are just, yeah, don't be afraid to use your own blankets. And same, a lot of hospitals still put babies in gowns. We did this a lot in the territory as well. The hospital babies in gowns, little baby gowns, and people loved them because they thought they were cute. Again, there's no right or wrong, just whatever feels right for you. But um, highly encourage your baby being in things from your home. Um, especially thinking how that baby's, you know, just microbiome is developing and, um, you know, what it comes in contact with. Really recommend things from home, not things that maybe a lot of hospital staff have touched. Uh, Now I've got people really thinking. Yeah, and I just thought about a few things that that I've realised we really need in hospitals whenever we go. You said a charger for the speaker, but charger for your phone. So many people run out of their phone charge in hospitals and in hospitals you get like two pillows total and I often find women need more so yeah take a couple of room pillows which you already said and it's cold yep. in there too, so something to keep you warm yeah and your partner warm and often this is what happens right they come out on a bed and I like this birth this hospital I went to the other day for a birth it had great facilities for the partner to lay down and have a rest as well um but there's just never enough pillows and there's like there's just not enough pillows so yeah take your own pillow if you can and then maternity pads often hospitals give maternity pads but you might want to take your own that post um natal padsicles or we sell these incredible herbal infused pads as well um and just yeah popping them in the freezer and and taking them with you and then asking them to be put in the hospital freezer but I know lots of hospitals now are doing amazing things um with offering ice packs postpartum so again checking with what they've got just to see what do I need? And some of this you might want to have at your home, especially if your plan is to get home as quick as you can post-birth. So having some at home and some in a hospital bag. And you've already talked about the phone and the charger, but that's on the list too. And then so for post-birth, we've got those beautiful post Needle disposable underwear and pads. Um, for the po- first couple of days postpartum, I do really love anything that's disposable and easy because it just really trying to make life easy. So again, you can use 
things that are washable. I just want to say with that, with like period underwear and things like that, I know lots of people use them postnatal. It can be really hard to track your blood loss in things like that. And so I'm a much bigger fan of disposables and using pads with them at least. If you're going to use like period underwear instead of disposable underwear, use a pad with it so you can at least monitor your blood loss, not just the amount, but the color as well. On period underwear, you're not seeing it. And I think it's it's not safe postpartum to not be able to see what's coming out of your body and to monitor it. And then thinking about toiletries, so what you want to take into birth, so things like your toothbrush, your toothpaste. I brought all this stuff new. I loved having it just in case, um, and then I never used it. So just, um, you know, some beautiful washes for you, like your favourite soap or, or shampoos and conditioners, just your, your stuff that is going to make you feel good because that shower post-birth, that first shower post-birth, nothing beats that at all. A really neutral deodorant to put on if you want to wear deodorant postpartum, and that's because our babies are super sensitive to smell. They use their smell to be able to connect with the breast and find the breast, and so this is a big thing for visitors as well. You know, We want to smell as neutral as possible when we're handling babies, whether we're a paid worker in the birth system or a support person. Um, So really just thinking about that for you and your support people, especially partners. And then lots of comfy pajamas and trackies, especially if you know, you, you want that for your perineum, but also if you end up having a cesarean as well, you want loose baggy clothing. I'm a big fan of probiotics and having them available postpartum, especially because many women these days and their babies are exposed to antibiotics in labor. And so often people don't know this, but when you've had something like a third or fourth degree tear or a cesarean birth, so anytime you've gone to theater, maybe you've gone because the placenta has been retained, you will be given what we call prophylactic antibiotics. And so super important to just restore your gut health post postpartum. My number one thing to pack in this bag are silverettes. And yes, they are expensive, but they have been game changers. They really, I, they first kind of came out in Australia when I was pregnant with my second and Anne, who runs the company here in Australia, contacted me and said, can I give you a pair of these? And I was a big fan of the hydrogel discs before that. And I was like, yeah, cool, whatever, I'll try them. They're just pure silver and so you can reuse them with second and subsequent babies if you have more than uh, another baby and you can also give them to friends because their Sylvia's clean them up and give them. So they're antimicrobial, antibacterial, antifungal and anti-something else. There's like four different properties silver has. I have a question because silver does have a lot of healing properties. Do the Does silver actually contact the nipple? Or is it just floating out in space? It depends on your nipple and your breast. So it definitely contacts the areola and then it will depend on your own nipple. The point is for it too, I have the world's tiniest nipples, uh, full full secret information there. Um, But the world's tiniest nipples. Oh, let's get them out and compare. Um, but as the milk comes in, yeah, it did because it just, ex- you know, it just expands. 
and as the breast is full, it would. But yeah, for some people, it might not at the start, but definitely like when that milk comes in day two to three to four, it is, and it's, it's contact. Um, yeah. So it would contact with the nipple. I'm just trying to remember, but yeah, it does. The only issue I had with them was that they would make a ring in the areola. And so they've fixed that now and they've got a little rubber seal to go around. So it's a little bit softer. It never hurt or anything, but it was just, you could tell it was indenting and you just don't want that in your breast. So they really listened to that and fixed it, but they are just, oh, I really, I've, I know. And with everything, some people are going to love them and some people don't. So it's just whatever you feel is right for you. But I've just had a lot of, a hell of a lot of positive feedback. And then what else have I got here? A usable nursing pads if when your milk comes in and the perineal wash bottle. Again, we talked about that last episode, but you can use anything for that. You don't have to buy a wash bottle. You can use like a drink bottle or just a cup of water or the shower head because um, you often will have one or two showers a day postpartum um, if you get the opportunity to, especially if you're at home. But you don't want to be showering every time you wee. So the perineal wash bottle um, is epic for that, as is sitting on the toilet backwards. We talked about that last week as well. And then just thinking about what you need for bub. So um, nappies, you may want to use cloth from the start. Oh, and something I've realized isn't on this list, but an umbilical cord tie. So you might want to have your own umbilical cord tie. Um, you can get lots of different ones now so you don't have to use the hospital clamp you can use a cord tie if you would like to um and so yeah you can take that in for your bub as well and then nappies so if you want cloth nappies some hospitals provide nappies some hospitals will only provide a couple and or just one and you have to take in the rest so really choosing um, what you um, asking what you need for that i don't really i don't like I've never really used a nappy balm on my babies either, but if that's something you feel like you want to, if you want to have your own kind of products and um, thinking about baby's first bath, I've always just used beautiful warm water, but often there will be products there at the hospital for you to use. So just thinking about A, whether you'd like to use them in the first place and B, if you would like to use something, would you like to use the same thing for your baby? Would you like that to be fragrance free? I'm really thinking about that kind of stuff because often things just happen and then you're like, oh, okay, that was the first bath and that got used and I didn't even think about that like whether I wanted that or not. I think so often we do a lot of planning for birth, especially if you've been listening to this podcast, we do a lot of advocating for ourselves for labor and birth. And we don't really think about maybe that advocacy that needs to extend postpartum for our postpartum self and for our baby. So the advocacy for our for our family. And often we're in quite a stress response state in postpartum. And so we can tend to fawn, which is that people pleaser. And we just go along with things. We're also hugely dosed up. Some of us, not all of us, I do want to say not all of us get this, but if we're in that oxytocin love bubble, I remember like three weeks postpartum just being like, um, which bee agreed to all of this? Like, like, because I was just so cool, calm and collected. Everything was like, yeah, yeah. And then like just realizing, okay, actually some decisions had been made and things had happened that I actually wasn't okay with, but hadn't stood up for myself. So just really thinking about that 
And then clothes. So you're going to want clothes in a couple of different sizes and brands because sizes for babies' clothes vary greatly between brands. It is phenomenal. Um, Mel's nodding her head. She's like, oh, yeah, I remember that stage. Um, but, and, you know, the only way to know the weight of your baby is once it's born. So really having having different sizes and layers are super important just because the hospital system is an environment that you're not going to control the temperature of. So we typically say as a rule, one extra layer than what we're wearing for, for bub. And so having like little undergarments and then overgarments, Onesies with zips don't get buttons. Like, oh my goodness. I just remember it took like 10 years into my midwifery degree before onesies were made with zips. And I know many of you are like, how was there a world that existed without onesies with zips? But it took them a really long time. Like I remember a brand of children's clothing that's very popular that does a lot of onesies. Before the zips, they had these like suits that were meant to be like all the rage and like they just flicked the bum out. Do you I remember those? That? I remember those suits. They were actually amazing. If you know how to use them, they were insanely good. But I'm I'm with you with the zip suits. Like my mom used to tell me about things. If something was really poorly designed, she would say, oh, probably a man designed that. So the the ramps, the the, uh, the trolley ramps at our shopping center, too steep for trolleys. She's like, yeah, probably a man invented that. Press studs on baby clothes, 100% not a woman who went, do you know what? Let's give new parents in the middle of the night with a screaming baby 12 press studs to push together. And they all look the same. And if they stuff it up, they have to start right from the beginning and start again. Are you kidding me? I don't remember those suits being easy, actually. I remember just they kind of came out when I was first in my midwifery degree and I was like, I don't remember them being easy, but I love that you do. The other thing that's super awesome, it's a super awesome trick for getting babies out of onesies. And now I can't remember it. There's always an Instagram. Oh, you got it there's, a, there's a trick, you know, how some baby clothes and they they cross over at the shoulder, right? And it looks like it's like, why would they do that? It's not, it's to make that hole, you can literally take a suit or a shirt off that had those, has those little shoulder crossy things. This is what we're gonna get messages about, B. People will know. Go and have a look at your baby clothes. On the shoulders, they've got these little fold over, not all of them. Uh but instead of having to take the shirt or the suit off over their head, you can slide it down over their shoulders and down over their body so you don't have to. So if this is, for example, if they vomited on their shirt or there's been a punami and you have to send that shirt over the baby's head and end up getting poo all over the back of the baby, you just slide it down off the baby and it doesn't go past their head. Yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant yeah. hack. I I got out of my parenting newborn stage and never got to use that. That there is a reason to have a third baby right there and there. Um, I'll tell my husband, he'll be totally on board. Um, and so then just some people, I never did this. I I never did any of the baby things, but some people like photo items such as like welcomes and introduction plaques. And then if you've expressed colostrum, so you can start doing that from about 36 weeks. We have these awesome colostrum collector sets, some um 
hospitals will give them to you as well if if you're lucky and they and they give them not not all of them do but taking in taking them in they have to be labeled and then they will store them in the freezer and then if you're planning to formula feed just any kind of bottles and formula for your baby you'll need to take in that and you really do want to take in the formula that you want your baby to be on because you don't want to be chopping and changing. And if it's a breastfeeding friendly hospital, they won't have formula there. So if you want that and anything, if you're breastfeeding, anything to kind of support you in terms of nourishing snacks as well. So I'm sure I've forgotten lots as I'm going through this list. I'm like, oh, we need to update it. Um, but what, what could, what else? I mean, hopefully you don't have to stay too long and you can just go home and you don't have to think about washing your baby at the hospital or anything like that. But Oh, yeah, I wanted to say that you don't have, a lot of people do because they want to be shown how to do it and so their baby's first bath is there. But ideally, I don't really want a bath bub within the first 24 hours and it doesn't have to be washed. Sometimes people just do like a little spot wash if they've got a little bit of blood, dried blood on them, just washing that off and not washing the whole body. But it's, it's a pretty big topic. And, yeah, often it's just a tick box thing that gets done in the hospital. So if it doesn't feel right for you, you don't have to do it. Yes. Magic. I think if people could combine last week's episode and this week's episode, you can make your own comprehensive list for what you feel like you need for at-home labour, at-hospital labour, and just so you don't forget anything. There's nothing worse than turning up to a holiday, not that you're having a holiday, but you've gone somewhere else and you think, damn it, forgot my favourite thing. And then yeah, and it's and it's a period where you want your favorite things. But in saying that, you don't need like we that was a pretty extensive list. You don't need it all, just whatever, whatever makes you go, ooh, and you can gather either financially or resourcefully. Don't want to make this overwhelming. I feel like people can often feel like it's overwhelming. It doesn't have to be. Baby's gonna come out of you regardless of what you have there. But yes, you deserve all the niceness, the like comfy PJs and and even Stop. like you know, if there's a hair product that you always use every day, mm. every day I put this on and I use my hair with this particular thing and I use this shampoo and I use this toothbrush, toothpaste, like that's the kind of stuff that, you know, especially if you've had a disappointing time or you're really tired or you just want to be nurtured and you think, oh, now I don't have the right toothpaste. It's just another kick in the teeth. Yeah. yeah, so it's just, yeah, it's about nourishing yourself. The other yeah. thing I thought of then that I've never really thought of is just something, a really little bag or something to hold jewellery in yeah. because if you do end up experiencing interventions and you need to go somewhere like theatre, they're going to want to take jewellery off. So having a nice little bag for your jewellery, often like the hospital will give you something if they can, but that um, that can be handy too just so things don't go missing. And just some like plastic bag or a laundry bag Often like knickers can get wet and stuff like that. And you don't want to put them in a bag with dry clothes. So yeah, any kind of plastic bags and in with your car as well, like a garbage bag, super handy just to pop wet stuff in. 100%. And if you can ask for a tour of the birth unit. Because I know hospitals used to do those. They they stopped doing them in COVID and, and I think maybe they've taken an opportunity to not continue them because that's handy for them. But uh, go and eyeball what the birth room looks like so that you can visually see what kind of things you might want to cover up or hide from in that space and 
you know, where the room is for you, so you can mentally prepare to give birth there. It's so important that you know the space that you're going to be birthing in. Yes. Amazing. Thanks, B. If you want a comprehensive copy of that list that B was working off, go to the resource folder. If you're in the on the mailing list, you'll already have access to the resource folder for this podcast. But if you want access to the resource folder, all you gotta do is go to melaniethemidwife.com and sign up to the mailing list for this podcast. And every week we'll send you an email with the folder resources for that episode, and you'll get access to all the previous ones. So we will see you in the next episode of The Great Birth Rebellion. Thanks for listening with us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favourite podcast platform and join our mailing list at melaniethemidwife.com. Mel sends out weekly emails with access to all the evidence we use in this podcast. You can find out more about Mel at melaniethemidwife.com and find out more about me, B, at coreandfloor.com.au. We can't wait to bring you next week's episode of The Great Birth Rebellion. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> All right. <laughs>